0: I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hi and welcome back. And if it's your first time, it's really great to have you here. How are you? I hope you're well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. Now, today I'm going to do the first part of a two-part like, mini-series, I suppose. And it's all about the conflict that we often have in private practice between being visible so that you can market your practice and attract clients and worries that we have about personal disclosure. So in this episode I'll be looking at how life as a private practitioner has changed and in the next episode I'll be sharing some thoughts around personal disclosure boundaries and some practical ideas that are going to help you no matter where your boundaries are. So if you've ever felt a little bit anxious or unsure about this, then after these episodes, I'm hoping that you're going to have a far clearer idea of what's right for you. And this is exactly the point. There is no one rule about this. So it's important to consider this in advance and consider your boundaries so that you feel comfortable while marketing your practice that you feel comfortable when you go on social media or you write blogs or anything. So just before we get started into part one, I just want to let you know about a new guide that I've produced and it kind of fits in with these episodes really well because it addresses something that I know many therapists struggle with and that's that icky feeling of having to sell yourself. So I've created a free guide. It's called Attract More Clients by by Helping Not Selling. And like I say, it's free. All you have to do is visit janetravis.co.uk slash helping not selling, and you can grab your free copy there. So hop on over and get a look at that. So let's explore personal disclosure because I know that this can be a real worry and like I say I want to put your mind at rest and reassure you that you can you can handle this in a way that feels appropriate for you. Now just before I go on I want to assure you that or rather reassure you that you don't have to share anything if you don't want to you know, if you've decided that you just don't feel comfortable sharing anything at all on social media or in your blogs or anything like that, then that's absolutely fine. It's not my job to persuade you to do something that you don't want to do. It's not my job to persuade you to do anything, basically. Really, I'm here to help you to explore this so that you can work out what's right for you. And then when you've found out what's right for you, you can then look at ways that you can then, you know, move forward in your practice. Because if you decide that you don't want to share anything about yourself, that's absolutely fine as well, okay? So really what I want to say is don't be put off by thinking, I I don't feel comfortable sharing anything just join in and listen with an open mind with a curious mind and just see what comes out of it so let's do a little bit of a history lesson really I want you to cast your mind back just for a second and consider what was it like being a counsellor back in the days before the internet so if you needed a counsellor how would you access one Well, just 50 years ago, counselling and psychotherapy wasn't widely available. Now, remember, this is a relatively new discipline, which only really became more popular maybe in the 1950s in America after the Second World War now to be honest i'm not an expert in the history of counseling so what i've done is i've tapped into the group knowledge of other counselors and they said that i kind of asked them you know if 50 years ago what would we do if we needed some help with a, a mental health issue and they said that there were you know several different things you could do either you just keep it all in and i think that's what happened for a lot of people didn't they if they were struggling with something they basically just kept it all in or if they were religious, they might go to their place of worship and have a word with an elder or a vicar or somebody like that, and have a chat with them about what was going on. Or they might go to their GP, and I don't know if you remember this, but they might get some Valium for their nerves. It was all caused that everybody said that they had bad nerves then, and they would get Valium. And let's face it, we know how how badly that ended up for so many people. They might get to go and see a psychiatrist if things were very serious. And you know sometimes people were put into an asylum. Now I live in Lincolnshire in the UK and we had quite a few mental hospitals back in the day. There was even one in the village that I grew up in. there was one a few miles away and they were dotted around. Now most have closed now, but back in the day, if you were an unmarried mother, you might end up into one of these asylums. It just goes to show how things have thankfully progressed so there wouldn't have been very many counsellors or psychotherapists and actually the term counselling only came into everyday language in the 60s and I don't know the statistics of how many private practitioners there were then and how you know compared to how many people were employed as counsellors but I first went to counselling in my early 20s so that's you know about 30 years ago and there weren't many private counsellors around then. But what I do know is how private practitioners, and for that matter, any business, would attract clients before the internet. And basically, people would advertise. So they would pay to put an advert in the local paper, or even a national paper, maybe even on TV, probably not TV, um, but a radio advert, the Yellow Pages was very, very popular then. I don't know if you remember then. With massive Yellow Pages, and you'd, you'd obviously have word of mouth. But basically, the majority of marketing was to do with advertising, and the advertise uh, the advertisement would be purely functional. So it would probably just say something like "Psychotherapist did Lincoln, call you know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or something like that. So back in the day, back then. The thought of self-disclosure outside of the counselling room wasn't even a thing. There was no, there was no reason that you would, you know, self-disclose in any way because it just wasn't wasn't a part of the process, really. So there was just no reason to. But you know, times have changed now. Times have changed a lot, really. Ever since we got the, you know, the World Wide Web, the way people do business has completely changed. That and the fact that there's far more counsellors around now I mean now there are thousands of counsellors I mean if you just do a quick search for counsellors in your local area then it might just make your hair curl a little bit which is a you know it's a good thing I mean I don't want you to think that this is you know scary and bad it's a good thing because it means that more people are aware of the issues around their around their mental health and around their emotional health So it means that counselling is now more mainstream and it's available to all. So that means that more people are getting the help that they need. So just to demonstrate my point with this, I live just near the city of Lincoln and in one area they have been developing it and building lots of new stores. So this is just one small area. And when I say small... I mean that these are all within easy walking distance so we have a Tesco superstore we have an Aldi and we have a Lidl's not far away from that is a Waitrose and a smaller Asda now for anybody not familiar with these names these are all supermarkets now basically they're all the same aren't they they're all selling you know selling everyday things but they're all just slightly different and they've all got different clientele, haven't they? So, you know, the big Tesco's has food, but it also has the electric section. They have clothing, they have homewares. You've got Aldi and, and Little are both budget stores. So they're going to attract a slightly different type of person. And one is high end, so Waitrose is. So they would prefer a more high end experience. So why would they deliberately build all of these so close together? Well, they're doing it because the success of the original supermarket proved that that location worked. Okay. well, look, I'm digressing slightly. I I might do an episode about the saturated market myth another time. But please, really, the point I want to make is don't worry about the number of councillors around because... The number of people accessing help is increasing, which means there's more work for everybody. I mean, it's a bit sad, really, because so many people are in emotional pain. However, it does mean that there are so many more people ready and available to work with them. Okay, so back to my original point. Nowadays, in order to attract clients, we don't just post adverts. I mean, you could. But you'd be missing out on all the powerful and free marketing that we have in our fingertips. Savvy businesses have learned how to take advantage of this amazing free resource in order to attract clients and to grow their business. So, if we no longer advertise in the traditional sense online, what do we do instead? Well, it's called content marketing, and content marketing is all about sharing value connecting with people. It's all about becoming known and sharing ideas and this is really what I'm talking about in my freebie about helping instead of selling. Content marketing is about helping people through what you put out there so then you become the choice if they want to use your services. It helps to raise awareness of both you and your message. So what do I mean by content? Well, content can mean all sorts of things. So content could mean social media posts. Content could be blog posts. It could be live or recorded video. It could be something like this, podcasting. And content is all about being more visible and becoming someone that people will know, like and trust. And remember, and obviously I've talked about this before, but people will buy from or use the services of someone that they know, like, and trust. So that means that if somebody follows you and they start getting to know, like, and trust you, it means that when they need some counselling, you're going to be the natural choice. And if a friend or family member needs some help, then they're going to share your details. And that's why content marketing is perfect for counsellors because it means you can market your practice without ever feeling salesy or icky. It means that you don't have to use any sales techniques, you don't have to use any persuasion techniques, or you don't have to be manipulative in any way. You don't have to do anything that goes against your ethical values, which is pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, that, that's going to make you feel a lot more comfortable. So rather than that, you share with your followers things that are going to be really helpful, things that are going to be interesting, and even things that are going to be fun. So tell me, does that feel a little bit better? So like I say, you're going to attract clients by helping people rather than selling to them. You don't ever have to sell yourself. Now, this is the thing that's going to make marketing become interesting and fun for you if you let it. So although it's totally okay to advertise yourself on social media, the majority of what we do on there is content marketing. So, so far so good. but the big fly in the ointment here for counsellors especially is worries about personal disclosure so how can you get the know like and trust factor if you don't allow people the chance to get to know you how can you be visible when you've been taught that any personal disclosure is bad and how can you stand out on social media if you're worried about sharing too much I mean there's no wonder that counsellors get really worried about this. So when you think back to your training you were taught that sharing anything about yourself in the counselling room should be done extremely sparingly and only for the benefit of the client which is absolutely fair enough nothing changes there but outside the counselling room you have a little bit more flexibility don't you. Now, look, I'm not suggesting that you use your business social media the same way that you would your personal social media, because yes, that would be completely inappropriate. So I'm not suggesting that at all. But I am going to ask you to consider would it really harm the therapeutic alliance if a potential client sees a post on social media and discovers that you prefer tea over coffee, that you prefer crisps over cake? that you prefer going to the cinema over Netflix, that you enjoy singing or that you have a dog. Now, the truth is you can't stop people from having preconceived ideas about you. Whether you're on social media or not, your potential clients will be judging you and they're going to judge you on things you've got no control over. They'll judge you on things like your hair, the hairstyle, your hair colour. They'll judge you on your age. There's not much you can do about that. They might judge you on your tattoos, on your room, on your cat, even on your perfume. And that's normal, isn't it? I mean, it's not often that people share such intimacies with somebody we know nothing about. Basically, we are strangers to them. So, of course, clients are going to be curious about who we are. And they're going to look around for clues about us. And they're going to make up stories about us in their head. So wouldn't it be better if those preconceived ideas are that you're a normal, understanding and relatable person, that it would be okay to sit and talk to rather than a scary counsellor? And I think this is an example of learning to trust yourself as well, to trust that you will handle anything that comes up in the counselling room. So if if a preconceived idea sort of shows its face in the counselling room in the therapeutic work you do, you'll be able to handle it exactly the same as you do now. Now, if we took no personal disclosure to its extreme and only ever posted something like, if you want counselling, phone 1234567, then not only are you missing out on a fantastic opportunity for both standing out from the crowd and forming a connection, But the chances are a client's going to be drawn to that warm, friendly counsellor they saw around because they've started to know, like and trust them. And as I've mentioned before, people buy or use the services of people that they know, like and trust. But because you're being relatable, they're going to feel that they're going to be understood. So the therapeutic relationship is starting to form even before they become your client and that bodes well for the quality of the counselling that you do together and if as a profession we all work together to have a more human face then this bodes well for the counselling profession as a whole. Now you may or may not remember but I did the therapy rebrand survey a couple of years ago where I surveyed people about their attitude to counselling and I've surveyed about 400 people and so many people were terrified of going to counselling but it's hardly surprising is it because basically you're going to see a stranger and you're going to share with them all of the all the skeletons in your closet so yes of course people are scared about going to counseling and i'm going to ask you to sort of cast your mind back to the time before you went to counseling the first time you were probably really scared weren't you i know i was and i always feel a little bit anxious before i start going to counseling again you know i think it's just kind of normal So yes loads of people are really terrified of going to counselling and what came across in this survey is almost a feeling that going to counselling is admitting that you failed at life somehow and that the counsellor's judgmental like a stern headmistress sitting there which is let's face it the absolute polar opposite of what we want isn't it. So you know it's I think it's important for us to be able to put put forward that human face, that warmth, and share that with people. So that it means that it takes takes a little bit of that fear away. Now you can listen to the therapy rebrand webinar for free at janetravis.co.uk slash webinar. You can go and have a listen to that if you want to. So by relaxing and allowing yourself to be more visible, you can help to alleviate this fear because you're going to share your warmth and your humanity and your personality. So how can you be sure that you're not sharing something inappropriate? How can you set your personal disclosure boundaries? And what sorts of posts should you be sharing? Well, in the next episode, I'm going to cover these points so you can get really confident in your posting. And if you feel confident, then you're going to relax and post more and the quality of the posts are going to be better and that's going to help you to attract more followers. So have a listen next week where I'm going to share a bit more about what to actually do. So today we've explored a little bit about the history of private practice marketing. We've explored how the World Wide Web has changed everything for us. And we've looked at the difference between advertising and content marketing. We've sort of, you know, been reminded about why personal disclosure worries us so much. And we've looked at the benefits of becoming more relatable. And remember to grab the new free guide, Attract More Clients by Helping Instead of Selling at jametravis.co.uk slash helping not selling. Uh, I do hope that you found this episode useful and if you have hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode in the future and while you're at it why not share this podcast with your counselling friends it might just help them too. Okay well that's it for now I'd love to know what your thoughts around being more visible are. So why don't you come and say hi to me? The best places to find me are either on Instagram. So if you search at Grow Your Private Practice or on LinkedIn, where it's just Jane Travis. So that's Jane without a Y. And and say hi, come and connect. I'd love to hear from you. So until next time, have an absolutely fantastic week and I'll speak to you soon. Bye bye.